0: Welcome to IDD, Get to Know Me, a mental health podcast where nothing is off the table.
1: Wait, what does IDD mean?
0: IDD stands for Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities. You will hear from us, people with IDD, and experts on topics that are important to us and our mental health. I'm your host,
1: Victor. And I'm Daniel. On this week's episode, we're going to get to know Carrie Jaffe, a lawyer at the Arts Disability Law Center in Toronto, which is a specialty legal clinic that deals exclusively with disability rights law. Uh, uh, Carrie, it's great to meet you. Uh, First of all, how
2: are you? Great to meet you, too. Uh, I am doing really well today, and I'm super excited to be here on the podcast, so thanks so much for inviting me.
1: Of course, of course, you know, the, the work that you guys do is, is so important, and we, we, we try to get all aspects of um, the disability conversation uh, in on the podcast.
0: we like to ask our guest a few questions, a few icebreaker questions, so Kay. What is your favorite song to listen to on the radio?
2: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think if I had to pick one song, it would probably be Thunderstruck by ACDC. That's an, it's an oldie but a goodie, and uh, it always makes me feel really energetic and and alive.
0: Do you know what's my favorite song to get popped up to?
2: Highway no, down. what is it? Oh, Highway that's a great Hell. one. Yeah, yeah, Highway to Hell is an awesome song, too. Yeah, another excellent oldie choice. but a goodie. Yeah.
1: Excellent choice. I like, uh, I like Losing My Religion by uh, R.E.M. I don't know if you
2: oh, know yeah. that one. I do. Yeah. I went to an R.E.M. concert eight years ago, and they played that song, and it's a good one, too. Ooh, excellent, excellent. Yeah.
1: Consider, consider the ice officially broken. Um, <laughs> uh, before we really get started, um, can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself?
2: Uh, Sure. Well, as you know, I'm a lawyer at Arch, so I spend a lot of time doing my work there. Um, I also am a mom to two little kids, um, so I love spending time with them, and they always keep life fun and interesting. Um, And uh, I love to be out in nature. I love to do gardening. I love to go for hikes and canoe trips. Uh, so that's that's usually what I'm doing if I'm not working or doing stuff with my kids.
0: So you're a mom and you're a lawyer, so the negotiating never stops, right?
2: That is so true, yes. <laughs> my, I think my kids are actually better negotiators than some of the lawyers that I've met.
0: So Carrie, what do, what exactly do arts disabilities lawyers do?
2: that is a great question. Uh, We do lots of different things. Um, Mostly, we try to help people with disabilities in Ontario with their legal problems. And we have lots of different tools in our toolboxes and ways to try to do that. So sometimes we try to help by representing people in cases at courts or tribunals where we are going to court or tribunal as the person's lawyer. Uh, Sometimes we work with disability communities to advocate for better laws and policies. So laws that promote and respect people with disabilities rights. Uh, And sometimes we go and we speak to groups of people with disabilities. Uh, We do workshops to educate people about their legal rights so that they can also advocate for themselves and get involved in helping to make better laws and policies. Uh, And the one thing that that is different about ARCH than most other legal clinics is that ARCH uh, at, at ARCH our focus is on systemic changes. So we're trying to use the law to improve the lives of people with disabilities across Ontario and across Canada as well, um, where we, we try to do work that will make big changes for lots of people.
0: A follow up question, yes. who is more tougher to negotiate with your children or other lawyers?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, probably depends on the day. But uh, I definitely have had situations where my kids have been able to out-negotiate me and um, figure out a way to get the candy or the TV show or whatever it is they're 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 trying to pull out of me. Um, so, yeah, sometimes... Sometimes they, they can be really, really strategic and smart.
1: So uh, I just want to ask you real quick, uh, just a quick follow up. Uh, you did, you did mention, uh, the importance of, um, things like rights, uh, for people with disabilities and stuff. Can you tell us what it means, uh, when you say respecting rights?
2: Yeah, sure. So Respecting Rights is a project at Arch. It's a project that's led by people labeled with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And it, we, we created the project, uh, over 10 years ago. So it's been going on for some time. Um, and the idea is for people labeled with disabilities to create and deliver workshops for other people labeled with intellectual and developmental disabilities um, and, and to really, yeah, through those workshops, teach people about their rights. So that's why we call the, pro- the project Respecting Rights, because it's a project to educate people and to try to promote the idea that people's rights should be respected. So our workshops at Respecting Rights focus, focus mo- mainly on people's rights to be treated equally and not to be discriminated against. And also people's rights to make their own decisions, decisions about their health or their relationships, uh, how to spend their money and their day-to-day activities. And uh, Respecting Rights is also uh, actually working on a project now to design and test more accessible and effective ways of making complaints. So we um, meet with and speak to a lot of people Uh, with intellectual and developmental disabilities who get developmental services from agencies across Ontario and sometimes problems come up and you know services aren't always um, delivered in the way that that people want uh, or in a way that respects their rights Um, and so our project part of our project is to figure out how can we make complaint mechanisms better how can we make them more accessible so more people can use them and more effective at actually responding to uh, the problems when they come up. So respecting rights, self, we have a number of self advocates, people labeled with intellectual developmental disabilities that are part of uh, the project. And they really help to support other people labeled with intellectual and developmental disabilities to speak up and uh, advocate for their rights to be respected. It's a really fun project. Uh, we, ha- we also, we have tons of fun doing the work that we do. Um, and uh, we, we um, over the years, I think have formed really strong relationships and learned a lot from each other.
0: Great. So my question is, what inspired you just to be an arts disability lawyer?
2: Well, uh, for me, I think um, a big part of it was that I started off uh, working as a social worker, uh, not as a lawyer. And when I was a social worker, a lot of the jobs that I had were supporting people with uh, disabilities, lots of different kinds of disabilities, but also supporting people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, And so I had some experience, um, working with those communities and I, in, in doing that work, I saw that, you know, there were a lot of, um, times when people's rights were not being respected and I felt that I wanted to try and do something more to, um, to help to change that. So I I wanted, I loved working with, to support people individually, but I also wanted to do, to try and do something on a bigger, more systemic level to make some of those changes. And so that was part of um, what made me so excited to work at Arch, was the opportunity to do that and to think about some of the ways to make those, to try to make those bigger changes and to use the law to do that.
1: Yeah. It's always always important to have you know our advocacy backed up by law and you know have that, have that support for our community. So it's really important. Um, can you tell us what a typical workday or work week looks like for you at Arch?
2: Sure. Um, it's, uh I spend a lot of time in meetings and a lot of time uh, talking to people with disabilities and to disability rights advocates. Um, And, you know, thinking about and strategizing about um, what are what kinds of changes are really important to think about and to start advocating for, and also thinking about uh, where we might have opportunities to work with government to make those changes, because um, it's always important to to think about those opportunities, because um, it often will be more effective in our advocacy if you know, if we know that government is open to uh, listening to what we have to say. So I spend a lot of time in those kinds of meetings. And I also spend a lot of time doing legal work. So that is doing research and reading lots of laws and cases and, and uh, writing up legal arguments. Sometimes I go to court or tribunal uh, or I do presentations for the government or for lawmakers. Um, and uh, one aspect of my work that's been really um, fun and an incredible opportunity um, has been the work that I've been able to do to present to the United Nations Committee on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities and uh, to present um, about respecting rights work at at some other international meetings.
1: Excellent, excellent. Um, I think one thing would be really interesting to know uh, moving on from that is what would you say are some of the current issues that exist uh, regarding the rights of people with IDD that you have to, that, that you're actively dealing with on a regular basis?
2: Yeah. Wow. Well, so that, that's like a huge question. Cause as I'm sure both of you know, <laughs> from your own experiences and the work that you do, um, there are lots and lots of issues, um, in the community right now. Um, in, in my work, uh, and especially with respecting rights, I often talk to people who are struggling to get their voices heard by the people around them. So that could be their staff who support them or family or friends. Um, and, and where people feel like, you know, they're trying to um, have some control over their life. They're trying to make their own decisions about their health or how to spend their money or who they want to have relationships with, where they want to live, what they want to eat, what they want to do each day, all of these things. Um, but sometimes those decisions are being controlled by other people. And I think that's actually a big part of the legacy of uh, the big institutions that we had in Ontario for a long time, those big institutions for people uh, with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Most of those have now been closed, but. You know my um my my friend and um, and respecting rights member Peter Park always reminds me that institutionalization is not just about living in a big building where lots of people with disabilities are kept, but it's actually a mindset. So you can live in a small house in the community, but still be treated in an institutional way. Uh, not as an individual who has the right to make your own decisions about your life. And that's really why Respecting Rights does the work that we do. Um, We have an amazing Respecting Rights Coordinator, Sue Hutton, and we have amazing Respecting Rights self-advocates. And our work is really to promote this idea that people with disabilities have the right and can and should be able to make decisions and have control over their own lives. That whole issue about decision making and, and having the right to have control over your, over your life is, is a really, really big issue right now.
0: Carrie, what are some barriers people with special needs face on a day to day basis that you're trying to break down those mm-hmm. barriers?
2: Well, I think I think one one set of barriers um, that has been present for a long time, but I think came up uh, a lot during the COVID pandemic is social isolation and people not being able to not not having, um, you know, the, the social contacts and resources that they want and that they need to really um do all the things that they need to do and and live full lives. Um, So during COVID especially, um, lots of people, as as you know, were not able to go to the regular activities, to their programs, weren't able to go to work if they had work. And lots of people also needed support to get connected online um, because that's where most of the social connections started happening during COVID. Um, so one of the major barriers that we encountered were lots of the people that we work with actually didn't have the supports that they needed to to get connected online and we had to do a lot of work and a lot of advocacy with the government and advocacy with agencies and families to try to um, get people the supports that they needed to do that
1: you know that's that's also so important um, uh, you know during during the pandemic it is uh, it's sort of exacerbated a lot of a lot of issues uh, for our communities, and you also mentioned uh, a little bit before about um, people, you know, living in their homes but still being a little bit institutionalized uh, with things like uh, not being able to make their own decisions or not having access to the healthcare they need and things like that. Uh, can you speak to those accessibility issues a little bit more?
2: Sure. Um, I think, uh, you know, part of part of uh, the issues around accessibility with decision-making rights has I, has to do with having accessible information, right? So people can't make uh, good informed decisions about how they want to spend their time or, or healthcare decisions or how to spend their money or, or any of those kinds of decisions if they don't have... Uh, the information that they need to understand what are the risks and the benefits and what are the consequences of making these decisions. Um, And so part of the work that Respecting Rights does is to advocate for accessible, for people to have accessible information. Um, So for lots lots of people labeled with intellectual and developmental disabilities, accessible information means plain language information. information in a format that, you know, people can really understand and can use to help guide their decision making. Uh, We also, um, in terms of accessibility, talk a lot about the importance of people having a support person, somebody who can help them to um, take notes to remind them what kinds of questions they might have, um, and to help them uh, understand the information that they're getting and help them work through decisions that they're trying to make. Um, I think lots of people don't necessarily think of plain language and support persons as an issue of accessibility, but uh, we definitely do. And uh, we, we, we think that those are, you know, really two key um, disability accommodations that people need for, for um, access to um, decision-making rights.
0: Speaking ab- on that, about being a disability lawyer, what should people learn to be a disability lawyer? What does it take to be a disability lawyer at ARCH?
2: <laughs> well, I think it takes uh, a willingness to work hard um, we have uh, lots and lots of people and communities who are um, calling us and knocking on our door every day. Um, you know, there's tons and tons of um, legal issues and social issues in disability communities um, that still need to be addressed. So, uh, if you want to be a disability rights, rights lawyer, you gotta you gotta um, be okay with with working hard and having lots of, um, issues, lots of, uh, work on your plate. And I also think it's important to, um, to think about the big picture, the long-term sometimes, because a lot of the changes that we're trying to work on, they're not, they're not simple and they're not changes that can happen overnight. Um, you know, for example, the decision-making rights I was talking about, there are, there are lots of, um, things in our laws that need to change in order for people to have um, full access to their decision-making rights. But there are also lots of things that have to change in the way people just interact with each other and people's attitudes towards uh, allowing people with disabilities to have equal decision-making rights. So those, those are really changes that have to happen over a long period of, or take a long period of time. And so you need to as a lawyer you need to be patient and you need to sort of understand that these are you know you're you're part of a bigger uh movement a disability rights movement um and you have to be able to uh, sort of celebrate the small wins when you get them and keep keep uh, working on the bigger picture
0: like right. My motto always says it's not about the big victory that counts. It's about the small wins that lead on that big victory.
2: Yes, that's so true.
0: So keeping on that, what are some of the small wins you accomplished over your arts disability lawyer tenure? And would you like to speak on that?
2: Sure, I can talk a little bit about that. Um, Maybe I'll tell you a little bit about some of the wins that the small wins that Respecting Rights has had. Um, So as I was telling you earlier, uh, Respecting Rights does these workshops for people with disabilities um, about their rights. And... um, in one of the workshops that we did, we had somebody uh, who was at the workshop was very very quiet during most of the workshop and didn't really share too much about uh, their own experiences. Um, but you know, came to a number of our workshops and over time we built a relationship with them. And over time, as the person got comfortable, we actually found out that they um, had they well they had met. Um, somebody that they were interested in uh, getting into a relationship with um, as their partner, but they were having lots of, uh, they were encountering lots of barriers doing that because both of the people lived in group homes and the staff at both of the group homes didn't think that it was a good idea for them to have a relationship and to be partners. and so we, we talked about that during our workshops and we gave the person a little bit of legal help and our self-advocates gave the person some um, peer-to-peer support. And with that support, the person was able to advocate for themselves and was able to, you know, negotiate with the, with the group home staff to the point that they allowed, you um, you know, allowed them to see, to to form this relationship, to see their partner and uh, allowed them to um, have times where they spent the night and had sleepovers together and really um, uh, got to the point where they really were able to support the relationship rather than stand in the way of the relationship. So that was, you know, I, I consider that a small win. It doesn't make a huge change for for everybody in Ontario, but I think in the life of that person, it was a, it was a really big change, and um, we were so happy to be able to support them um, to to learn about their rights and to advocate for themselves to be able to make their own decisions about their relationships and have those decisions be respected.
1: You know uh, that that's that's really important, uh, and I, I am wondering. Uh, are there ways for people who aren't lawyers to get involved uh, with, with our disability law? You mentioned uh, some peer support and things like that. Uh, can you elaborate?
2: Sure, so you're um, asking about uh, lo- how lawyers can get involved or just uh, people just people about, in general?
1: Uh, sorry, for, for people who aren't lawyers, who, who oh, want to get who involved. people who
2: aren't lawyers. Yeah, sure. Uh, So there's a few ways. Um, So people with disabilities who have uh, a legal problem or think that they might have a legal problem that they want to talk to a lawyer about can call Arch. Um, I'll give you our toll free number, which is 1-866-482-2724. And they can get a free half an hour appointment with an Arch lawyer to get legal information and advice about their situation. Uh, and that is that we offer that service for people with disabilities who live in Ontario only. Um, we also have uh, lots of resources on our website. Um, so Respecting Rights actually has a lot of resources on Arch's website. Um, we have videos and handouts so that people can learn more about their legal rights. And we also have information about projects that we're working on to make laws and policies better. So people can definitely uh, go to our website and check out those, those videos and uh, those projects. Uh, the website address is www.archdisabilitylaw.ca forward slash respecting rights. Uh, And we also have a newsletter that people could subscribe to if they like. Um, Our most recent video actually up on the website um, is called Time for Change. And that's a video uh, that our uh, amazing Respecting Rights Coordinator, Sue Hutton, and our amazing Respecting Rights self-advocates just recently completed. And it's a video that has tons of different self-advocates in it who are talking about why rights are important to them, and, uh, and giving tips and suggestions for what people can do to respect the rights of people labeled with intellectual and developmental disabilities.
1: That, that's really great. And you know what, you're getting our social media plug uh, out before we even ask you about it.
2: Oh, <laughs> um, and... <laughs> sorry for <laughs> jumping the gun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's okay. Oh, and uh, okay. And we know, uh, we know Sue very well. Uh, we've had her. Uh, we've had her on a couple of times as well. Uh, but, amazing. Yeah, yes, and yeah. we also
0: work with Sue as well. So thank you for mm. the amazing, amazing work. You are a pleasure to work with, and this is the part of the show where we call where we call this plug talk. So plug your socials, plug Arts Disability socials <coughs> right
2: now. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Well, in addition to the website address for ARCH that I just gave you, um, Respecting Rights also has a Facebook page. uh, So you can go onto Facebook and search for Respecting Rights. We've got a lot of information and the link to our Time for Change video there. Um, ARCH's Twitter handle is at ARCH Disability. So that's A-R-C-H disability. and, uh, and and we have lots of updates. We're, we're always updating and putting new things on our website as well. So the website is www.archdisabilitylaw.ca.
1: Uh, thank you very much, Kerry. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us today. It's a real pleasure to have you.
2: And yes. Always
0: keep fighting the good fight, Kerry. You are one of the good ones. So keep fighting the good fight.
2: I will and uh, I know that both of you will also continue your fantastic work, um, you know, letting people hear about uh, disability rights advocacy and how they can get involved. So thank you for the work that you do as well.
1: This podcast has been brought to you by the Azrieli Adult Neurodevelopment Center at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health in Toronto, Canada. We would like to thank our producers Irfan Jiwa and Anna Yang for helping to keep us organized and for
2: all the behind the scenes work. And of course, you for listening. Thank you very much.